0: Every team, every topic,
1: everywhere,
0: this is Believe.
1: What's going on, everybody? I hope everyone is having a great NFL Draft weekend. We bring you another episode of the Believe in the You podcast. I'm here with my co-host on my regular YouTube channel, Ross. Uh, thank you so much, Ross, for joining me on today's episode. I really appreciate it.
0: No problem, man. No problem. Love talking Canes football with you, bro.
1: Yeah, and uh, just a little background. If anyone's not familiar with Ross, uh, he joined my YouTube channel close to either less than a year year ago or basically a year anniversary, but ever since then, he's been doing an outstanding job uh, recruiting. He's been covering a lot and just his input on Canes football as well on our Canes After Dark show, so I greatly appreciate his uh, contribution uh, to my uh, youtube channel the scoop on the u but let's get into it ross man NFL draft weekend it was a great night for the miami hurricanes for the first round we had two edge rushers drafted first time since nc state in 2004 i mean what do you think about jalen phillips and gregory rousseau as prospects heading on to the next level
0: well, you know, I mean, Dolphins fans definitely got to be excited about Phillips just for the fact that they've watched him play in a Miami Hurricanes jersey. They know exactly what he can offer. They know his upside. I mean, it's kind of just a perfect fit there and they needed a defensive end. Um, Kind of a perfect fit. I think Jalen Phillips is the most NFL ready pass rusher in this draft. So I think as far as a a week one edition or an early season edition that they would need to contribute right away. I think they got that player on the defensive end, the bills, uh, the, the GM, the head coach had to be smiling ear to ear, Paul, when Greg Russo's name fell that far in the first round. I mean, it just, you, you couldn't ask for a guy with more upside at a needed position at a valued position at pass rusher in the NFL. I mean, guys like him just don't usually fall that far in the draft. Bill's management has to be absolutely excited. The Bill's fan base is absolutely excited as well. I saw him on Twitter just going nuts about that pick.
1: Yeah, I think in the Bill's situation, I mean, Gregory Rousseau, it, it was definitely a prospect I feel like they didn't feel would drop that far down in the first round. And so when they had him on his board, they were like, oh, like this is the guy we have to take. And by far, he's the most athletic NFL draft prospect you'll see. This is a guy who played wide receiver, safety, so many different positions at the high school level under the radar three-star recruit to get literally evaluated by miami even taken as a choice credit to the staff for evaluating him and his skill set and being a first round pick it truly is a remarkable story and i think he has the highest ceiling from all the nfl draft prospects
0: we've seen so far i mean in terms of just absolute raw capabilities and the physical traits that you can't teach you know the the, the god-given <clears throat> aspects i agree I, I, there's nobody else that offers the combination of size athleticism and strength that rousseau has right now
1: this segment was presented by bet online bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to, to sign up Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. online your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, no, I'm 100% agree with that statement. I think Gregory Rousseau is going to have a killer of an NFL career and Jalen Phillips as well. I mean, he's in a great landing spot with the Miami Dolphins, and this is something we spoke about, Ross, you know, going into – you know the NFL draft. I mean, this is the elite pass rusher you're looking for. You know he has heavy hands, a powerful edge rusher. It's an easy transition for him playing in the same stadium, same city he has been in the past three years, compared to other NFL draft prospects who have to go to places like New York, for example. I mean, Zach Wilson hates to pick on the guy. I just think he's going to get even alive. I really do. By the media, by the press just by the city itself. And I wish him the best of luck in his NFL
0: career. It's just a really tough transition. Oh, yeah. I mean, BYU to, to New York, I mean, that that's, that's like going to a different planet, damn near. I mean, it really is. I mean, two totally different worlds. Phillips having that tied directly to Miami and having that fan base already established in the South Florida area and in the city of Miami from his time as a Miami Hurricane – it's not only going to make him more comfortable, it's also going to be a great selling point in marketing for the Miami Dolphins as well. They're going to be able to use that aspect and really push him early. I mean, everybody knows Jalen Phillips face already. We know who he is. It's just kind of a a match made in heaven almost.
1: You know, something I want to touch up on Ross, we saw a lot of second round picks or general um, from the Broward County area in this NFL draft in South Florida Um, you know, Tutu Atwell, he's from Miami Northwestern and Miami-Dade County. I believe he went to the Rams in the second round. Could be wrong on the team. But, you know, Miami, a lot of these guys were not takes for the program. Who do you think is at fault regarding this matter? I understand this was under the Mark Rick administration. Manny Diaz, he was a defensive coordinator. He had nothing to do with it. But, man, it really does get me pissed off that under-the-radar recruits, who end up going in the second round of the NFL draft, first round, third round, whatever you want to call it, get drafted, don't end up becoming Miami Hurricanes. And they go to programs such as Auburn and Louisville where rightfully so they could have easily been Miami Hurricanes. I feel like that's the issue. Take away the star system and evaluate their skill set and what they have to offer as prospects at the collegiate level. And if your staff likes it, go for it. Instead of wasting time, On other players, especially out-of-state players as well, you got to always evaluate your local recruits and build that connection with those high school coaches. And I feel like Miami has foreshadowed that, and hopefully it's fixed.
0: You know, I mean, it, it starts at the most basic and base level you can think of. You've got your scouts out there initially targeting players showing film to these coaches, you know, showing, hey, this guy really standing out. This is what this guy's doing. Taking those scouts and or not uh, taking those scouts advice, following through with it by the coaching staff and the position coaches, and actually having them discover that talent is like you said, it's something we haven't witnessed. We've have seen too many guys fall right through the cracks. Tutu Atwell, absolutely no reason why he shouldn't have been a Miami hurricane. To me, this You know, like I said, the the scouts in general, they have a tough job. They can only do so much. To me, this falls a lot on the position coaches, and it's why we've seen so much change at Miami, and we've just seen position coaches kind of coming and going lately because guys just aren't fulfilling their duties. I
1: hate to pick on a specific coach, but Ron Dugans, I mean, his mark here at Miami, and now he's at Florida State. I mean, awful job looking back at it. Awful job just recruiting-wise. I hate to pick him apart, but, like, sincerely, I mean – Everyone who he's brought in, I mean, Brian Hightower, for example, uh, Mark Wes those guys aren't even part of the wide receiver core anymore. You know, I mean, there's your Mark Pope, Steve Wiggins, that hasn't worked out as well at all. JT4, Jeff Thomas, I mean, I'll be real, I mean, the offensive scheme wasn't to his skill set, and that definitely did hamper his career, but there were also a lot of off-the-field issues, and, you know... I mean, we're taking chances on guys that it's just not working out at all. And they're not even part of the program anymore. A guy like Devontae Smith out of Louisiana, who we were late in the process with, you know, he was interested in Miami. And I know we were pushing for him, but at the end, he just didn't want to play for Miami. It seemed like even Florida State had the edge over Miami, in my opinion. But that's a different ballgame. But, you know, guys like that were missing out on the Anthony Schwartz 2-2 Atwells, where you know, these guys can, can play at the elite level in the SEC level as well. And they showed that. And a guy like Tutu Atwell, 5'9 quarterback, which is what he played at Miami Northwestern, you know, I understand, you know, you don't want to take him. He's under the radar. But, like, listen, look at his skill set. Give him a chance. Just give him an opportunity. Figure figure out later what position you're going to put him at. You know, just take him in as an athlete and just figure out later. Just get those guys in the program and let them blossom it's just unfortunate we went with out-of-state guys instead of local players in the South Florida area and that's what really irritates me and I feel like this is something it's a broken record we see we state this every single draft and we see it
0: you know and one of the problems I think that we had too Paul was avoiding guys like Tutu Atwell because we were still stuck in the past. We weren't going after these speed guys to get into space, these these spread-type guys. I mean, we really weren't identifying them as early as other teams did. We're one of the latest teams to actually update our offense. It was frustrating for us to take this long. you know. And I'll tell you one thing about Dugans that really speaks volumes to me is you look at the draft right now and you look at their number one guy, Tamarion Terry. He's an undrafted free agent right now. That's under Dugan's watch. While he's been there at Florida State, he did nothing to help that guy out. Even though Terry had some issues himself, but there, as far as I as far as I ever heard during Dugan's time while he was there, Terry just never really made any improvements at all.
1: To Marion Terry and Marvin Wilson, I felt like before the Mike Norvell tenure at Florida State, I feel like they were high NFL draft prospects, or that was the noise coming out of Florida State. These guys were NFL prospects and they were expected to get drafted in the early rounds. And then Mike Norville
0: comes in and their draft stock just plummets. I, did they even get drafted? No, neither of them. I mean, they're, they're both considered, you know, kind of high priority undrafted free agents, but neither one of them went in the seventh round there. And it's, it's
1: sad. It's, it's disappointing. I wish them the best of luck in their NFL careers. I mean, we've seen them throughout their college careers. I think they both can play at the next level. I would have loved to have them at Miami. I think they're that good of players, to be honest. I mean, I'll be real. I think Tamari Ontario would do great at Miami and Marvin Wilson. So it's unfortunate their careers did not pan out the way they wanted to going into the NFL draft. And their draft stock led to an undrafted free agent signing, is the expectation. And you know it is what it is, but I hope they have great NFL careers because I know they have the talent to to land in a great NFL organization. And speaking of talent, you know there there were quite a few Miami Hurricanes players that did not get drafted where the expectation was going into the NFL draft. And we, we'll talk first off with Brevin Jordan uh, going to the Houston Texans, I believe, in the fifth round. Yes. And he declared early. And I, and I want to pick your brain, Ross, and we'll discuss this. Was it the right move for Brevin Jordan to declare early
0: for the NFL draft and not come back another year? Well, I'll tell you right from the jump here, Paul, that has been an actual a very passionate subject that I've spoken with multiple fans, and the passion went up round by round as he felt. The decisions and the talking and the – uh, from Cane's stands was basically every round that he fell was, oh, look, he made a bad decision. He made a bad decision. Oh, the decision's getting worse. Oh, it's proving now that he made a bad decision. Every round he fell down. Me, personally, I had Brevin Jordan pegged as a fifth-round talent, so I'm absolutely not shocked. He's a little bit of a tweener. While he does offer some versatility, he does have an injury history. Um, those kind of things play against a player. I mean, you, you're not – prototypical size, you've got that injury history, and and you're h- kind of ending up on a team, the Texans, that have had some terrible, terrible, terrible mismanagement. And I, I'm just kind of I'm bummed that he end up, I'm bummed he ended up there, Paul. I think he has an opportunity to get snaps there. Cause I mean, right now their their tight ends are Jordan Atkins, Paul Quisenberry, Ryan Izzo, Farrell Brown, Anthony Avalar and Khalil Warning. So, I mean, he, he's he's got a chance. Darren Fells was there last year, but they didn't bring him back. So there's definitely an opportunity. But I'm just kind of bummed out that he fell to an organization that has been so dysfunctional. Because Revan Jordan, if anything, he needs consistency. That's what he needs. And I, and I hope this new Texans staff can really provide that for him.
1: Here's my thing with the whole situation, Ross,
0: and I see both
1: sides of the story, I really do. I understand, like, if you declare early for the NFL draft and you get drafted in the fifth round, you know, just on paper, it's like, no, why would you do that? But I feel like Brevin Jordan, if he returns next year, I don't know if his draft stock improves. I really don't. Nor do I know who are the NFL draft prospects at the tight end position. But I think we know Brevin Jordan's college career and kind of his identity in college football. He is a possession tight end. He did lead, lead the nation in yards after catch. He did do that as a tight end. But take his measurements. There's nothing special about him. He's good all around. He's a good all around football tight end. But in the NFL level, he's, he's a little bit undersized. There's no X factor to him. He's not the most athletic tight end in the nation. He doesn't run a crazy 40 time. He ran a 4.6, I think, sub 4.6, which is nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, it's a solid time, but you want to get in that four five, four four. 4.4. Guys like David Njoku, Jimmy Graham, Rob Gronkowski, for example, those guys provide the X factor, whether it's athletic ability or, their fit, or just measure, measurements as a whole. Rob Gronkowski's six foot seven, and he's very athletic. Jimmy Graham was a former college basketball player, and he was at 6'8". David Njoku's a freak of an athlete they have measurements you can't teach and i feel like that's the issue with brevin jordan as a tight end he's very solid all around but it's it's very blah it's very vanilla there's nothing exciting and he gets the job done and i think he can excel at the nfl level i don't think he'll be a star player um i know measurement wise he does compare to antonio gates is a fair co- uh, player comparison but there's nothing, it's very vanilla, his profile. And I feel like NFL teams, that's what they see. And then on top of that, you have the injury plague history. Where I believe in his Miami career, he missed eight games, which basically is four games in a 12-game schedule. That's basically a quarter of a season every year. On top of that, in the NFL, you play 16 games, plus you have the playoffs, which is the expectation from every NFL organization. So you're at an 18-20 game nfl schedule you can't have a a tight end missing most of the season if he's missing four games every year due to injury imagine in an nfl season with nfl players on the field it could be more so i think that's what nfl teams kind of realized was his injury history and just his overall vanilla profile it was nothing elite and I think to get to the NFL le- level, you have to be elite at something to get drafted in the first three rounds. And I think that's why Brevin Jordan fell. And there were a lot of tight ends that were taking over him. I do argue, I think he could have snuck in the fourth or third round late. But at the end of the day, I think injury plagued, unfortunately, was the reason why he wasn't taken.
0: I completely agree, Paul, and and I agree with your statement as well, that coming back to Miami for another year, I don't think would have served him much benefit. And the risk of having it actually be more negative for him was actually bigger than the risk it could have been otherwise. That That's how I saw it. I saw the chances of him falling even further due to another injury. I mean, let, let's just say, let's say Brevin Jordan comes back this next year. It's week four. He's played good the first three weeks, but he loses the rest of his season in week four. We're talking about a guy who's no longer getting drafted at all. He is an undrafted free agent at that point, in my opinion. It just simply wasn't worth it. He didn't have the elite upside that was worthy of coming back to, to, to say, hey, NFL teams, you didn't see the best of me in, in, in the NCAA. We actually saw the best of Brevin Jordan in the NCAA. We saw what he can offer. We saw what he can do. And in the NFL, it's not always about production. It's about potential and it's about at least flashing that potential. He at least did that. Um, you know, taking off to the NFL, I think, was the wise decision on his part because coming back and risking another injury just would have been nothing but negative for him all the way right. around. And he's a great kid, a
1: great personality. Brevin Jordan, he really is a good person. I, I truly do think that. Never had off the field issues, always had his head on his shoulders. So the Texans are really getting a great NFL draft prospect who ultimately, I mean, you're not going to have any off the field issues. He's, I think he's going to give you 110%. So honestly, I think Brevin Jordan can have a great NFL career. I just don't think he'll be that star NFL player. I think he'll be a rotational tight end in any organization. And hey, I wish him the best of luck and go out and prove us wrong, man. Make that all Pro Bowl team. But hey, I call it like I see it. It is what it is. Moving on, another player who was taken very late. I thought he was going to get drafted a lot earlier, Quincy Roche, who they're taking him in as a linebacker, I believe as an outside linebacker, if anything. Uh, what are your thoughts about Quincy Roche going to the sixth round to the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is a great NFL organization? I mean, we've seen guys taken late like Anthony Ciccolo, they, um, and he's truly developed, and he was on the defensive line unit at miami i mean that whole situation was a mess coming out of high school gaining weight where they put him you know but now they moved him to outside linebacker i believe and he's doing great with the pittsburgh steelers organization i think they're really going to develop quincy roche so what are your thoughts about
0: that i think he went to an absolutely fantastic organization one of my biggest things about finding nfl success not just from a winning standpoint but from an actual development standpoint of, of bringing in your own draft players and bringing in your own undrafted free agents and turning them into players. That's what the Steelers do. The Steelers are one of the best front offices in the NFL year in, year out. They recognize the talent of Roche while other teams kind of let him slip due to factors like not elite athleticism, not being familiar possibly with the outside linebacker position in the NFL, having to adjust to that position while coming in being mostly an edge pass rusher his entire college career he was a successful edge rusher there is value in that that he can take to this outside linebacker position in the NFL and being deployed as a pass rush specialist could be something that he's fantastic at he's going to have some work to do of course but anybody making that position change will I, I you know i talked to this i talked to you about this before we jumped on here and i was reading some of his pre-draft breakdowns And one thing that I simply did not agree with was a lot of experts saying that he doesn't have good bend. I simply don't agree with that. I saw him make some incredible bend on the outside sometimes, and I saw some great ankle flexion from him multiple times on uh, on plays. While he might not have shown it consistently all the time, what he did show consistently was technique, hand strength, and the ability to simply get to the quarterback or at least cause pressure. That is valuable no matter what. Now,
1: question, why didn't we use Quincy Roche as a linebacker then? If he's, gonna, is, if he's viewed at that profile, at that position, at the next level, why do we use him as an edge ed rusher? I, I believe he's very technically sound as a defensive end. He has a very high football IQ. I love his footwork primarily. But I also thought he was getting to the quarterback, providing that you know pass rush, I felt like he was better on the run. He was better defending the run. So I'm curious, why do you think we, we moved him to, to defensive end? And he was a terror in the AAC, which is a G5 conference, you know. But why, didn't, why do you think we didn't utilize him at linebacker?
0: I think just for the simple fact that we really admired his pass rushing skills and we wanted to try to use that to the absolute most on a snap-by-snap snap basis. And I think putting him at the end, we probably felt that that would utilize that to the fullest. Um i agree there there's definitely a debate that could be made that it would have been smarter to put him at line outside linebacker already we've seen this before at miami where guys play certain positions they get to the nfl and play a completely different position sometimes it simply has to do with size some guys can get away with doing certain things in college they can't do at positions in the nfl it's just it's a size factor but with roche it wouldn't have bothered me one bit to see him move back to linebacker. Honestly, with his IQ and the fact that we need that kind of help at linebacker, I think it actually might have been a smart move on our part.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the scheme as well, I mean, could cater to that. I mean, we're running a 4 5 scheme where you really just want to have your best athletes at the linebacker position in pass coverage primarily. I mean, that's what the 425 is, is to defend the spread offense, which – I mean, hey, we can argue this for days and talk about Blake Baker's defense. I just don't think the spread offense is that elite. We're not playing in the Big 12 Conference, ultimately, where you have to cater to that kind of style of offense. So, hey, it is what it is. We have a new defensive coordinator with Manny Diaz. Hopefully, Bob Shoup can uh, add some of his uh, defensive, uh, what's the word, intelligence towards our new defensive scheme. And we did see variations throughout the past season of a 4-3 defense. Maybe we'll go complete 4-3. I don't know, but I'm very curious how this new defensive look will uh, pay off in 2021, and, hey, that that's the beauty of every new season. There's a lot of question marks and new defensive coordinator with Manny Diaz, and hopefully we can get back to his defense that we saw that was aggressive um, as when he was defensive coordinator. So, you know, it is what it is. And then one other Miami Hurricane player who – We haven't mentioned yet Jose Bordegales. Kicker, Lou Groza Award winner, doesn't get drafted. I mean, this is really interesting. I mean, he he hit a 57-yard field goal attempt. This guy, like, he he was on the money every single time. He rarely missed. I'm a little bit mind-boggled at this. Because of the fact, I'm now I'm not sure how many kickers were taken in this NFL draft. I know was it McPherson out of Florida was taken ahead of him, but why would NFL organizations skip on a very good NFL kicker? When you when let's be real, special teams wins you a lot of football games. I think it's a very underrated position unit as a whole, and I think they they can take you to the Super Bowl or to the playoffs. You know, I mean, look at the New England Patriots when they had Adam Vinatieri. You know, that definitely puts you over the edge. You know, being having a great special teams unit is makes you – it's the difference maker between a good team and a great team, in my opinion. Something Miami was lacking before the guy came on board. And he doesn't even get selected at all, not even drafted. Curious about your thoughts on that, Ross.
0: You know, I, I don't want to sit here and act like I know more than 32 NFL front offices do but man to me this one feels like a big miss on the nfl's part i don't know if it's just simply undervaluing the kicking position or if there was something that stood out that that really bothered nfl teams the one thing that i read and I, and I can't sit here and say that i i saw it myself but the one thing that i read on multiple draft profiles for Borgallis was that they felt his trajectory was a little low they felt it was something he could get away with consistently in college would be possibly become an issue in the NFL. You know, I, I don't, I don't know if I saw that exactly. He might've line drive a couple of them with power, you know, just, just powering through it. But I, I saw a fantastic kicker that was nothing but consistent that offers you that deep range as well. and And that's, what's so valuable in the NFL. I mean, th- like you said, these guys can make or break games. They can make or break seasons in the right games for NFL teams. I'm pretty shocked that he was undervalued and, and allowed to slip out of the draft completely. Had he been a seventh-round pick, I'd have totally understood for a kicker. That that'd have been totally normal. But, but to see him fall out of the draft totally, I, I just feel like this is a miss on the NFL's part as a whole. I think the last great kicker we had was Matt Bosher,
1: and he, and he was a kicker and punter, um, which is very, is not very normal. I think in any ranks of college football or NFL and he was drafted in the sixth round and that's because he was a he was a kicker and a punter and I think primarily he's just a punter in the NFL I, I could be wrong on that I don't really follow NFL I'm not I'm not like the biggest NFL guy to be honest um but yeah I, I was I was amazed why they did not take a chance on him and I think he's going to be a very good player at the next level and kicking is one of those things like hey like I think it's more of a mental thing You know, you can say, hey, low trajectory, you know, on his kicks, you know, easily could be blocked. You know, I'm not informative with kicking. I don't don't think a lot of people are. It's more of on the kicker himself. Either they got it or they don't. And it's a mental thing. You know, can you make a 50-yarder? Can you make a 45-yard field goal? Can you make that 60-yarder that, you know, get like a million views on YouTube? I don't know. You know, so it's really up to the kicker itself so that that's a big question mark a lot of nfl organizations will have and i'm sure he'll sign with the with the nfl organization um as we speak right now on this podcast and i know he'll do great
0: things you know one of the big things for kickers is that mental aspect yes you have to have the leg you have to be able to have the distance you have to be able to kick in bad weather in the nfl but that mental aspect is so big and dude, I I don't know about you, but I saw nothing but absolutely sharp mentality every single time Borgalis Bar- entered the field. I mean, he was nothing but confident. Did you ever see him act unconf? You know, act like things were too big or act like a kick was questionable? I saw nothing but pure confidence.
1: This is how strange kicking is. Roberto Aguayo to me was the greatest college kicker I've ever seen with my own eyes. In my opinion. And he did awful in the NFL. Like, that guy literally could sink 60-yard ki- kicks in college like nothing. Like, not, like like just slicing cake. Just easy. And he literally choked in the NFL. And he was playing in the same state where he's from. He, he played for the Buccaneers, and it just went downhill from there. Like, that that's how mind-boggling kicking is to me. So, it, it really is a mental thing. And like you said, I mean, the media gets in your head. I mean, you have to be your head has to be screwed on. I think Bordegada's, you know, he is a player that seems like his head is screwed on, you know, but Hey, whoever drafts him, I'll tell you what, man, they're, they're taking a good chance. It's a good gamble. And I think he will do great things. And something else, like I remember, like sometimes it's good to sign as an undrafted free agent. You can get more money out of it. Guaranteed kind of like signing bonus. If you make the roster, I know salary wise, it's not good at first. It's only like 30K when you sign on, which is, I mean, it's really nothing. Let's break it down, guys. Like after taxes, you break that down. It's its really nothing unless you have a good accountant. That's a whole different ballgame. But, <laughs> um, you know, you're taking a gamble if you can make the NFL team. But, hey, if you can make six figures after you sign on with a full NFL team, hey, man, it sounds like a win.
0: You know, another one of the positives about undrafted free agency is the players get to kind of – take a look at the offers they're getting and choose the best place for them. You know, they they don't get drafted and get stuck behind an all pro somewhere or anything like that. They get a handpick sometime, you know, especially if you get multiple offers, but you kind of get a handpick the selection and put yourself in the best place to succeed. I think Bora is a really smart guy with his confidence combined with that, wherever he goes, I don't see any reason why he won't be on a, a 53 man NFL roster this next season And with the type of kicker he is, there's no reason why we shouldn't see him succeed in the NFL, at least for the next decade or so.
1: I'll tell you what, Ross, I think the positive thing the Miami Hurricanes fan could see leaving this draft, we're not seeing players who declare for the draft and we're just so, I don't know if the word's kind of, you know, guided to declaring for the NFL draft, misguided, but I think we're seeing players now, like they're staying at the University of Miami, and they're understanding what happens if they make the wrong decision of declaring too early. I'm not going to say any names, but I think there's plenty of examples of the past where players declared early for the NFL drafts, and it didn't work out in their favor. And another year at the University of Miami would have worked out tremendously, and I don't know if it's agents to blame, whoever's in their head. I think we're seeing a change there at the University of Miami, and I think that's a positive step forward.
0: No doubt about it, Paul. I mean, getting these guys back for that extra crucial year is not only big for them and their NFL dreams, but it's big for the University of Miami as well. It's just a win-win situation. You know, maybe somebody can take a look and go, well, Brevin left early, and, you know, that's kind of the same issue. I think that that's a little different, honestly, because like how we spoke about Brevin already, he already flashed his potential. He showed what he can do at Miami. He just wasn't going to show anything more. He already showed his, his upside so to see the rest of these guys you know take off after spending their full college careers see a guy like Roche still end up getting drafted even though he fell a little bit further than we were hoping he would it's just nothing but good stuff for the University of Miami and and I think hopefully this is the beginning of something good and we start seeing it consistently year after year where guys so hey if I take one more year at college my future can be so much brighter
1: 100% agree and speaking of You know, the future, I know we're a long ways away for the 2022 draft, and believe me, draft projections can change left and right. Jalen Phillips was, at this time, going into this year's NFL draft, was nowhere near the first round or even a discussion. Gregory Rousseau was a top-five pick, so these draft stocks can change overnight. But who do you think, you know, for this 2021 Miami Hurricanes team, who do you think is a potential NFL draft prospect? Some names to think of.
0: Well, you know, I, uh, right off the bat, Bubba Bolden, if he can stay healthy and continue to show development, I think he's definitely shown some NFL upside. Um, guys like Nesta, you know, Nesta coming back, having a big monster year that we're all hoping he can, that could be absolutely huge for him going forward in his career. Absolutely huge. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there, there's, you know, we got a couple guys that are interesting. The one name that, that really, really stands out to me that I don't want to get, I don't want to dive into it too far yet, just because there's still so many questions, but to see Zion Nelson ranked so high in some of these future mock drafts is very, very, very intriguing. We know really? it's based off a of potential. We know it's based off potential and athleticism, but Paul, The fact that I have seen him mocked in future drafts in the first round caught my attention. We know there's a long, long, long ways to go, but hey, man, if we got that kind of potential on the team right now, that's fantastic. Yeah, he's actually Zion Nelson is actually the
1: projected as first 2022 offensive line drafted uh, for next year, and I'm laughing because I I was thinking of when he decommitted from App State and you know that first year of college football against Florida. He was literally rated like the worst offensive lineman in college football. I mean, he could literally only get better. And I really like him as a, as a kid, as a player. I, I think he's a great individual, great human being. And I it, it really, I'm happy for him. I'm happy he's getting this press. And I know his he has a great head on his swivel. I know he's going to do great things. I, I'm curious, though, because that Alabama game could change a lot on film. <laughs> So how he matches up with Alabama's defensive line, I'm very curious. You know, but hey, I, I I truly would love for him to be a first round pick, and I think that would be great. Bubba Bolden, he needs to improve in pass coverage specifically. Um, that that's the big issue for me because I thought he was very vulnerable in pass coverage uh, multiple times throughout the season. Specifically in the second half, we didn't see the same Bubba Bolden we saw in the first half as well. Not the same Bubba Bolden we saw against Clemson. Virginia Tech specifically, man. It got ugly at times. So, you know, hopefully with Travis Robinson overseeing that secondary group, they can get better. couple names to look out for who I think will be interesting draft prospects. Will Mallory, just because of his measurements, yep. athletic ability. Yep. I feel like he gained a little bit too much weight in college, in my opinion. Now that's just my opinion. I think he can trim some fat. I honestly think mm-hmm. we could have even used him at wide receiver, but... We can uh, definitely argue that for days. But no, I think Will Mallory is another intriguing NFL draft prospect to continue on that NFL tight end U tradition at Miami. Gervin Hall as well. I think if he he puts a a complete season together of consecutive play, I think he can be a potential NFL draft prospect. DeAndre Johnson as well. Not giving up on him. I think he'll be a very good late round to fourth round addition. Not saying he's going to be a first round pick, but I think he can be an NFL draft prospect as well. Look out for Javari Harvey. So there's plenty of names that we can speak about. The Eric King as a quarterback, uh, I don't know. I don't I don't see it. I don't see it at the next level. I think he's a college football playmaker and that's what he is. Similar to Pat White.
0: You know, I, I have a question for you, actually, Paul, and it's a name that we haven't brought up here. And it's a name, of course, that kane's fans are gonna want us to bring up here, but What's your what's your outtake or i mean not your but what's your take on mike harley what what do you think of his pro prospects
1: here's my thing like
0: mike harley great
1: college football wide receiver okay put him in the spread offense i just i just physically i think he these are things you can't teach i just feel like he needs to put on more pounds of muscle he needs to get a lot more stronger and physical i don't think he presents a mismatch at the next level and i think that's what nfl organizations are looking for I just I, I can't I can't picture him in the NFL. I I really can't. If I'm wrong, hey, I'll tip my hat off to Mike Harley. Um, you know, I'll say it on my YouTube channel. I was wrong about Mike Harley, but as an NFL draft prospect, I just don't see it, man. He doesn't have that it factor. There's just once again, it's very vanilla his profile. He's a possession wide receiver. He's not going to take a, a screen pass and take it 50 yards, 80 yards like we see at the college level. You know, I think in the NFL level, you put him strictly on the inside. As your slot receiver, you're not going to put him on the outside. That's really where all I can see him. I don't think he presents a mismatch at all on the inside. I don't think his 40-time is killer. I don't think he's a burner. I know he runs track and field for University of Miami, but he's not that Santana Moss, and Norris Moss, where he's really going to burn you on his feet. So really overall, I don't know. Now, one name... I was very impressed with the spring game, Charleston Rambo. I think that's your guy. You can put him on the inside. You can put him on the outside. He's a possession wide receiver. He's a deep ball threat. I also think D. Wiggins as well. If he puts so it all together, I think he'd be an intriguing NFL draft prospect as well. You just got to catch the freaking football. Mark Pope, that's another wide receiver. I think strictly on the inside, that's his game. Don't put him on the outside. You know, use him as a slot receiver. Use his skill set. He was a great seven on seven football player. That's what a slot receiver is, a guy who is a burner, speedster. So, you know, I think the NFL talent is there, but I think they're very limited in their roles at the next level. And so ultimately I think Charleston Ramble is the best wide receiver prospect out of that group just because he's so dy- – he's much
0: more dynamic than the rest. I agree. I agree. I think he offers the most in terms of NFL upside. Um and I, you know, I completely agree with your take on Pope. I think we've been playing him wrong this entire time. I think yeah. moving him to the inside would be fantastic. That's it. It's been i think, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think maybe, you know, it's yet to be seen. But maybe, maybe, maybe this year we'll have the wide receiver depth that will allow us to make a move like that happen. And if we can move Pope to the inside, and he can hold on to the ball when he gets it, just like Wiggins. We've seen Pope get open. We know he can play football. It's the mental part. If Pope can play on the inside and hold onto the ball, Hey man, you know, he, he, he might not ever be a guy that's going to ever be looked at as an early round NFL player, but he could be a guy that could sneak into a draft and like, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round. If, if he shows, he can hold onto the damn ball.
1: I think Corey Gaynor, I know we're transitioning to just from wide receiver, but Another name I thought of is Corey Gaynor. I think he's very consistent. I think he's gonna be a solid, you know, NFL center at the next level, in my opinion. Um he may not get he he probably won't get drafted until late in the NFL draft or undrafted free agent, but I think that's a solid NFL prospect to look out for. Hard work ethic, you know. Doesn't make a lot of noise, off no off-the-field issues, you know. He just he just loves the game of football. And I think that's someone an NFL team would take a chance on in the late rounds.
0: And as we know, the Miami staff absolutely loves Gaynor on and off the field. And that's why he's been a captain for us. This he loves whole time.
1: football. He loves football.
0: Yeah. Hard nosed guy. I mean, we know he's gonna bust his butt every single snap. Um, you know, my my question to you actually, we're talking about the offensive line here. Do you think a guy like Jared Williams coming back again, do you think he can elevate himself or, or is he just not the guy we were hoping he could be? I don't know, Ross. You know, I,
1: I think at the off, you know, th- there's so many players who are good college football players, you know? And once again, I feel like to play at the NFL level, you need to be elite at something, you know, to get that that notoriety, just that kind of acknowledgement from the NFL um, any NFL franchise, you need to be elite at something. If not, you need to be good all around. Um, I just think Jared Williams—he's just a solid offensive lineman at the college level, and I just think I, I don't see him making a lot of noise in the NFL draft. I really don't. There's just nothing. No, it's very vanilla. Once again, his his skill set, his his you know just his profile overall. There's nothing out of the ordinary from him. And he's a veteran college player already. He's probably played like six or seven years in college football. So, I mean, I just, I, you know, it's it's the same thing. You mean De'Ara King, for example, another player. I mean, what about his game at the NFL level is elite? There's nothing. I'm not trying to – we're talking NFL. We're strictly talking yeah. NFL yeah. bases. De'Ara King as an NFL quarterback – I don't see anything elite about his game. Maybe his running ability at time, he's shown flashes. If he wants to be a run-heavy quarterback, that's a different story. I just don't see anything elite as a quarterback, as a pocket passer in his game. He's a college football playmaker. That's the way I see it.
0: Do you think that a guy like Navon Donaldson still has the upside that could start to possibly show that, hey, I might belong in the NFL draft conversation in the future here? Does he offer that size that, that's intriguing?
1: God, I, I you know, we, we just had him at right guard throughout his whole college career, I think so, but the fact that we flip-flopped him and that he had to learn different positions, he had to learn how to use different parts of his body. Instead of focusing on right guard specifically, I think that would have gotten him over that hump. But we still need to see a lot more film on Navon Donaldson at the right guard position. We've only really seen one year of film on him. And there has been injuries a lot which are in question. He's missed out due to health issues and conditioning. So it's a big if at this point. If, if If teams were worried about Brevin Jordan's injury history, imagine Navon Donaldson. So... I think ultimately Navon Donaldson will be a good college football player in his final year, and that's it. I mean, you know, that's, it is what it is.
0: Do you see uh, Will Mallory coming back for this next year? Like, And, and I agree with you on your statement. Is He might have got a little heavy there. He could he could slim down. I'm not, I'm not saying he needs to slim down, but he could just trim down and tighten up a little bit. Do you think that Will Mallory, and, and this is something Canes fans talk about a lot as well, do you think Will Mallory will be a better NFL draft prospect at tight end than Brevin Jordan?
1: Yes, I do. I think Will Mallory was underutilized throughout his whole college career. I hate to say this. I would have been very curious how Will Mallory's college career would have been at a different program. I think the offensive scheme that we're seeing now, I would love to see Will Mallory in from freshman year. I think playing under Mark Rick's offense was just brutal and they didn't like the routes he was running they would literally throw him in for like a fade round the end zone against savannah state i mean that was like his only touchdown like there's so many different ways you can put will mallory and his athleticism coming out of high school like i said I, i think he could have been a great wide receiver at the college level had a lot of power five programs i still think you can line him up if you trimmed him out weight wise lost weight kept that same speed he had coming out of high school I still think you could have utilized him at wide receiver as a deep ball threat or something, or just a post route or a, a down and in or something. You know, a seam route. I, I just think he creates mismatches that Brevin Jordan, for example, does not create. And I think you know, yards after catch wise, he's he can make t- uh, defenders miss. So I think Will Mallory will be a better NFL draft prospect than Brevin Jordan. You
0: know, one of the one of the really really big upgrades for us this offseason in of the university of miami was adding t rob in the secondary yeah we saw j we saw jc horn go early in this draft that that was all t rob i mean that was he identified him he developed him and he put him as a early first round draft pick outside of bubba Bolden, do you think there's anybody currently on this or in the secondary that t rob can work his magic on immediately and, and possibly get them into the draft
1: Absolutely, and we haven't even mentioned him, Tyreek Stevenson. I mean, this is your prototypical nickel um, in the NFL level. I mean, any nickel package they present, I mean, that's the guy I want on the field. I mean, physically, he has the perfect frame for it, Uh, 6'1", 6'2", 200 pounds. I mean, that's your nickel corner at the NFL level, man. I mean, I literally, if if I'm an NFL defensive coordinator, I take Tyreek Stevenson, and I'm like, this is my guy, this is my nickel corner, and I'm taking him. This guy is directly going to be specified for nickel packages in any defensive scheme you have, and I will put them him there every single time, and he will dominate. You see, Ross, this is the difference between college and the NFL. They're so heavy and talented personnel-wise where they can only use players at specific positions. Where in college, no, you need to put players out in the boundary. You, know, you need to put players at different positions because you don't have the right personnel there. But in an ideal world, and we're seeing this with Alabama, You put Tyreek Stevenson at the nickel position, and he will be so elite, it's crazy. And a defensive coordinator will literally take Tyreek Stevenson as their nickel corner at the next level, and he will excel and thrive. And I hope someone acknowledges that, and they may even take him early in the NFL draft just strictly as a nickel corner, and he will thrive, I guarantee you, at the next level. No, Tyreek Stevenson is your nickel corner at the NFL ranks, hands down. That's probably, our best NFL, yeah. that's probably our best NFL draft prospect,
0: so solely by that position alone. I, I completely agree, especially when you consider him playing in the slot in the NFL. Like you said, prototypical type of move there. I mean, absolutely prototypical. Now, do you think this is a player that that might surprise you? I'm even going to bring him up, but he's a player that I've talked with multiple Canes fans about who feel that T-Rob is basically the perfect guy to turn him around. Do you think there's any hope for DJ Ivy? <laughs> Look, I mean,
1: Ivy on paper, he looks great. You know, his measurement's mm-hmm. 6'2", close to 200 pounds. He's like 185, 190, long arms, everything you want in a corner. I mean, he sounds like a four-star recruit coming out of high school. <laughs> He's athletic i don't know i mean i i would hope so that that's a travaris robinson project he's gonna have to work with i think Ivy will have to return for his senior year i believe right i don't know this whole COVID 19 eligibility stuff has been lost so i think he'll have that extra year with COVID 19 so i think he'll return for his extra senior year or whatever but no that's a guy who is a travaris robinson project for the next two years and i think you'll, you'll see the development I mean, Travaris Robinson has literally worked with, like, over 10 defensive backs playing in the NFL right now. I mean, J.C. Horn was a great example of a project he had to work with under the radar three-star recruit. They got that late bump by 24-7 sports as a four-star prospect. So, DJ Ivey, absolutely, man. I mean, I think it's a project. It's, it's something to work with, but he has the skill set. He has the measurements. And I ultimately think it could pay off, but we'll see it next year. Maybe
0: not this year. You know, the one thing that I absolutely love about T-Rob, and it's something that I'd heard about him while he was at other schools and we're already starting to witness it at Miami. <clears throat> T-Rob identifies talent. He does it early, and he locks onto those guys, and he sticks with a lot of those guys. And that's what's kind of rare in NCAA football right now. Right. A lot of offers go out. You know, they're not committable offers. Or two months later, their, uh, schools change their mind. It's very, very unique how many players Tavares Robinson, and especially lately in his career, that he's locked on too early and actually ended up getting committed to the school he's at. And not only that, but then turned around and developed them into top-notch football players. I mean, to, to have him do that at Miami, Paul, that would it's just something we haven't seen in far, far, far too long. And I'm just so absolutely stoked that we have him on our roster.
1: Well, first off, I think T-Rob is a, he's a real person. I think he actually cares about the people he's recruiting. It's not turn and burn, which is something a lot of coaches, they show in recruiting. You know, they, they go after a guy for two or three years, and then once they get in the program, they could care less. If they're not contributing, they're a number. You know, and that's very common in the college football rank. So I think Travarsh Robinson is a, a different narrative towards that statement. And, you know, his resume speaks for itself. I mean, like I just stated, he's – literally coached 10 defensive backs in the NFL ranks Um, under the radar recruits, the four-star recruits, maybe a five-star recruit. I mean, this is a guy who knows how to evaluate talent and develop talent as well. And I'm just grateful that Miami brought on Tavares Robinson. I wish we would have kept Travis Williams as well. That would have taken us to a whole nother level. But it is what it is. Wishing the best of luck at UCF, which, by the way, is, in my opinion, going to be a Power 5 school in the next five years. But that's just my educated guess. But no, I'm expecting a big 180 from the secondary, and I think we're going to be
0: a lot more confident going into this season with this unit. Those relationships that T-Rod makes and and the kind of the – you know, you hear, it, he, he hear his own players talk about how he's kind of basically family to them. Like he's more than a coach. He's he's basically fam, a family member. That falls right in line with this mantra of Cain's fam. You know, this whole Kane's family that we try to cultivate at the University of Miami. And bringing in a guy like him who not only talks the talk but walks the walk is so vital for us because we've had too many guys that simply just talk the talk and never walk the walk Paul. They just didn't do it. You know, they'd say one thing and behind the scenes, it was something totally different. We know who T Rob is. We know what kind of guy he is and players know what kind of guy he is and they truly appreciate it. And I really hope that's where it really falls into that whole Kane's family aspect. I I think that's a strong point there for us. One
1: hundred and ten percent. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And uh, once again, man, I'm very curious of Manny Diaz's year three at Miami. And that's the beauty of every season, guys. We can make all these statements, all these educated guesses that we have, opinions about this upcoming season, and none of it will be true. That's the beauty of every single new year of college football. Expect the unexpected. And I want to thank Ross for coming on this show, man. Uh, He has a lot of great Miami Hurricanes football takes. Definitely go check them out on Twitter, Northbrush Kane. If not, go check them out on my YouTube channel, The Scoop on the U. And last but not least, guys, this podcast was presented by Betonline.com. Go check those guys out, man. It's probably one of the best betting websites out there. And always, all about the you. Go Kane's.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform.